0: Thanks for joining us and supporting Vickydo Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an its all about health and fitness premium member. Go to ww.vicidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's ww.vicidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a six dollar monthly subscription. And remember Keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about community partnerships and equitable health opportunities. Research has shown that creating community-based partnerships that focus on addressing health disparities in our communities actually work, and they bring about increased health care opportunities and positive outcomes. Joining us is Sarah Lowry, the Director of Healthy Community Partnership, Mahoning Valley she will talk with us about some of the programs and initiatives this organization is doing to help our community stay healthy. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now here's your host, Vicky Doe and D Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. How are you?
1: Vic, how are you?
0: I am fine. So it's it's a beautiful day and it's been a minute.
1: It's beautiful. You know, I was I walked
0: out this morning and I was like, "Whoa, this is this is nice." It's nice. It's it's September. Yeah, we'll just hold our fingers. <laughs> Even October. Oh, it's October. So d- there there it is. I'm already confused.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> in October we usually October. have um, it's starting to get a little bit nippy, don't you think? Well,
1: it. I mean, you know, this mo like I said, I had to go out this morning because I left my phone charger in the car and I went out and I just had a robe on it it wasn't that bad I was expecting it to be seriously cold so it wasn't that bad uh, you know but I expect I mean this is going to be very short-lived so I was looking at the weather forecast so we're it's coming
0: yes yeah, coming but in the meantime we are here right this is episode 215 folks and Today, we're going to talk about community partnerships, creating equitable health opportunities. And research has shown that, you know, despite of the remarkable advances in medical science and medical therapeutics, health status disparities experienced by older, socioeconomically um, disadvantaged persons and racial ethnic minorities continue To be a major challenge to the U.S. healthcare system and various community outreach programs have been created to address these problems. Research has shown that creating community based partnerships that focus on addressing health disparities in our communities actually work and bring about increased healthcare opportunities and positive outcomes for the community. And so joining us is Sarah Lowry, the director of Healthy Community Partnership Mahoning Valley here in Youngstown, Ohio. She would talk with us about her responsibilities as the director and about some of the many great programs and outreach activities this organization is doing to help keep the communities here in Northeast Ohio healthy. And so what do you think D? Oh yeah, I'm I'm excited.
1: Uh you know, this is very important topic.
0: Yes it is. It's a very important topic. And so people out there, yes, it's the pandemic, but people were suffering before the pandemic as well when it comes to resources and accessibility, the more we try to uh reach out to folks so that they can know where they can go, where the resources are in their community, the better. Right, Dee? <laughs>
1: right, exactly.
0: Now make sure you go. Make sure you go and sign up for our new course. Our new course on our Vikido Fitness Academy platform, Emotional Intelligence, A Comprehensive Approach to Maximizing Performance and quality of life, and this is an online program. It's a course that is facilitated by our certified emotional intelligence instructor, Kelly Ashby of Kelly Ashby Consultant. We decided to have this course. I really wanted this this course on our Vicky Fitness Academy platform because you know we always talk about the dimensions of wellness and emotional health is an important part, is an important component of our wellness, and emotional health, it affects our health and our well-being, and so in this course, you will be able to learn and apply the critical core competencies that are needed to relate the core competencies of emotional intelligence that are needed to relate and navigate in different and sometimes stressful environments. And you will learn to understand your emotions and feelings and will be able to work with teams and colleagues at work. You'll be able to relate with you know your families and be more productive and effective in your everyday life. For more information about this course, I want you to go to com forward slash emotional intelligence and sign up today. And you will be so glad that you did. And we can't wait to see you on the inside. Now make sure folks, as usual, you have to subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness, Vikido Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any other platforms that you listen to your podcast and when you subscribe you will be notified first when we post a new show and you will be able to listen learn and experience our shows where we bring in other guests and talk about the things that are important for our overall health and our well-being as you know we do not just talk about our physical health but we talk about things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. And so, like I was saying before, we believe in total well-being. We believe in all of the holistic approach, all of the components of wellness here at Vickie Doe Fitness for a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure you do not miss any of our shows and our episodes and go ahead and subscribe to this podcast today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts, rate, and review this show because this is how we grow and increase our listeners. And we certainly appreciate you. And as always, what do we say, D?
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, D. You know, you were a part of my exciting weekend. Cause, I mean, well, our exciting week. What
1: fun it was to be with Professor Wayne Smith.
0: Yes, the one and only. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only. The one and only Professor Wayne Smith. And, yes, he came all the way from the University of Memphis to teach my class for the week, uh, my dance class at Kent State for the week. He brought in some improv and some some afro-caribbean fusion and we just had a good time and the students loved him you know so I was
1: yeah. looking at some of the dances that you all did or a dance that you had on facebook i mean how how wonderful it was they They were like, Wow, professional looking like
0: ready for Broadway. I said, Whoa Yes, yes. We were we were telling them, man, this is a show right now. This is a show already. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so that was fun. And so now I'm back to regular.
1: Oh, back to being a pumpkin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's it. Back to being a pumpkin from Cinderella to pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: it.
0: Yeah, but it was it was great. How was your week then, Dee?
1: Well, my week was good. I mean, it, you know, as I, as I have said to many people, it, I was on call this past weekend, and it was just... It's just always been very sad and depressing when I'm on call and seeing the huge number of unvaccinated, 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 sick people in the intensive care unit. Some are not making it out on ventilators, prone the whole bit, running into your honey sweet in the hallway, and we're just shaking our heads that mm-hmm. this just didn't have to be this way. It just did not have to be this. Things were coming along, and now now people... The unvaccinated people have, you know, created a situation where the hospitals are overrun, doctors are burned out, nurses. So it's just, it's just, it's very, it's been very tough. But on Monday night, I fulfilled one of my big bucket lists. Okay. I saw the Rolling Stones in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field.
0: Oh, wow. It was
1: worth the 50-year wait that I've been waiting for (laughs) to see the Rolling Stones, and they were fabulous i mean i had to look in the mirror because i know i have aged and mick jagger and keith richards and 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 all those guys hadn't aged a bit they they still kudos to them i want what they're drinking
0: i know but they can still do i mean mick jagger can still do all that
1: and apparently he's got an extensive workout he bites he runs he 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 lifts weights, he believes, and you can just, he's pencil thin, all of them are, but he has a serious, serious workout, because he, he, it was a two and a half hour concert, Vicky, and I think maybe he went to catch his breath for about 20 minutes while Keith Richards sang, but the rest of the time, it was Keith Richards out there on the stage, walking up and down, they had a long runway into the crowd, and he was up and down, up and down, up and down, back and forth. I mean, did not miss a beat, and voice was on it. I mean, and this man is 78 years old.
0: Wow, wow.
1: So we're not talking about spring chicken here. 78 yeah. years old, and what? so was Keith Richards. You know, we all thought he had mummified. He... <laughs> 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 I mean, everybody thought that Keith Richards had mummified, but he looked great, too. So they all were on top of their game, worth every penny. That we spent every penny wow so yeah you somebody out there ha, wants to see it or has tickets or whatever it is well worth a concert nobody walked from there i don't believe saying i wish he had sung this i wish he had sung this i wish he had done this he gave he gave us all our money's worth and that's all you can ask of entertainers yeah, did you get, get your, your money.
0: money's worth yeah yeah mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like oh, a good, good. Um, when was it? Sunday or Saturday? Monday night. Oh, it was uh-huh. Monday night. Monday
1: night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did say yep. that. Okay, wow. That's good.
0: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Well, all right, then. All right, all right, well, all right. right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Okay. What is going on this week?
1: Everything. Everything, Vicky.
0: I said you know we never really we always talk about climate change but we don't really talk specifically about the
1: numbers
0: and the levels and stuff of air pollution so I know this was just put out today and it was talking about air pollution kills millions worldwide in the Western US the air is only getting worse and for the first time in more than 15 years the World Health Organization updated its guidance for acceptable levels of air pollution. What do you think, Dee? It's, it's talking about, you know, some of the new standards for air pollution levels. Oh
1: yeah, this is, you know, I didn't know anything about this. I'm anxious to hear what they have what they have to say.
0: Well, it says the World Health Organization has issued strict new standards for air pollution levels, and data suggests that the air in many regions across the U.S. contains much higher levels of dangerous matter than the standards recommend. WHO says air pollutants are responsible for more than 4 million premature deaths a year worldwide. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I know. Yeah, calling it one of the greatest um, environmental risks to health. But an NBC News analyst of air pollution levels show that air quality across the country on average already falls short of the WHO's guidance, updating in September for the first time in more than 15 years, while nationwide air quality is already worse than the new threshold. It's especially bad in California, Oregon, Nevada, Idaho, and Washington, where levels of particulate matter are more than twice the recommended limit. The new guidance lowers the threshold for particulate matter in the air, among several other pollutants, cutting the recommended maximum amounts by half this form of particulate matter is a mix of microscopic solids and liquids droplets known as pm 2.5 named for its size of 2.5 micrometers in diameter or roughly 1 13th the width of human hair commonly found in wildfire smoke and vehicle exhaust the pollutant has been connected to respiratory related hospital admissions and increased mortality pm (laughs) 2.5 levels vary by region across the united states but the national average in 2020 was about eight micrograms per cubic meter down from 13 in 2000, according to the Environmental Protection Agency, the WHO's mm-hmm. new guidelines set the recommend level, the recommended level, at five. Now, in the EPA's Western Region, California and Nevada averaged 11.7 micrograms last year. The agency region made up of Washington. Oregon and Idaho average 11.9 micrograms. When you inhale these particles, they are able to penetrate deeper into your respiratory system than larger particles. And this was said by Michael Kleeman, a professor of civil uh, and um, engineer, um, environmental engineering at the University of California, Davis. Once there, the small particles kick off a cascade of biochemical processes that cause inflammation. He said high levels of PM 2.5 in smoke are linked to adverse health effects, and once the particles enter through the lungs, they can also cross over into the bloodstream and even organs. The U.S. standards last updated in 2012 are slightly less strict than the WHO's current and former guidance, but the EPA said comparing the two standards is not so straightforward. It has a whole chart of you know the, uh, the levels, the average for each of the um, regions around here. And so for folks that really want to see that, make sure you go to NBC News, on the website, and look up this article. But it goes on to say that the pollutant levels surpass, in some regions by more than double the WHO's guidance. And so the WHO guidance for annual exposure to certain air pollutants are now more than half the EPA's limits. And so that means, yeah, we got to be thinking about all this because
1: you know this has been going on for some time and people probably not us but other people knew it but you can't get people to take a doggone vaccine and you got the air pollutants and stuff like that killing us
0: i know that's what they're they're looking at and so we keep talking about climate and all that
1: climate change
0: and maybe because of our air yeah exactly
1: Mm-hmm.
0: right so yeah so we shall see. They're they're working on trying to look at the air quality standards and doing something with our laws. So we shall see. Yeah. I didn't shall. realize it killed so many folks. You know, I never Neither. Yeah, I never thought of air pollution, which makes sense, especially if you breathe in it, how it can sure. Yeah, how it can yeah. really cause a lot of damage and you know with all the wildfires and stuff, you know, they were saying yeah. they were saying that it it affects, especially in California and stuff, it affects air quality nearly three thousand
1: miles away
0: with the smoke.
1: <laughs> I absolutely believe it because you got all that wind and stuff pushing all that stuff over. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> that's what that's another thing that's on our thing to look out for and to really advocate. So you know, you got folks out there advocating for you know, uh, yeah, um, safer air. Well, we always try to at least do some type of health tip. And this health tip is short and sweet. I found it, it's called Three Pillars of Mental Health. It's in the mm-hmm. IDEA Fitness Journal. It says, sleep is the leading predictor of well-being in young adults. And it goes on to say, Eat your fruits and vegetables, exercise, and get a good night's sleep. Sounds like advice from your mother or doctor. But recent research findings identify these three healthy behaviors as predictive of good mental health and well-being among young adults. University of Otago researchers in New Zealand conducted the cross-sectional survey study among 1,111 male and female adults ages 18 through 25. Participants completed an online survey reporting diet, sleep, physical activity, and other relevant information, as well as depressive symptoms and feelings of well-being. Data analysis showed that sleep quality was the strongest predictor of well-being, followed by sleep quantity and physical activity consumption. I know, right? Consumption of raw fruits and vegetables was the only dietary factor predictive of greater well-being. And so this study is available for folks to look at in Frontiers in Psychology, the 2020 um, edition. So I thought that was interesting, right? Very interesting, yes. So sleep, right? Sleep, the quantity and the quality of sleep and how much you move are the strongest predictor of well-being.
1: Well, I'm in trouble because I'm up every night <laughs> at 3 o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> I'm in serious trouble, <laughs> serious Serious trouble. Yeah.
0: Uh, I know. Yes. And you know a lot of students, you know, shoot, this is study time, you know, so Yes it is. Yes it is. So are
1: you all now they haven't
0: started midterms yet,
1: have
0: they? Yeah, we just yeah.
1: That's starting now. Oh, okay. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so I was oh. just doing some grading. So yep, that's that.
1: <laughs> oh. Back in the you back up in the mix for real.
0: I'm back up in the mix. That's what I said. Oh. Lord have mercy. Right.
1: I know. Right. I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So and then, of course, it also talked about raw vegetables and and fruit. You know, it's a predictor, too, for greater well-being. So at the end of the day, they're right. Eat your fruits and vegetables, exercise and get a good night's sleep. Our grandma knew something.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's, it, we keep you keep hearing that over and over. You, there's got to be obviously something to it. So, yeah, eat your fruits and vegetables.
0: That's it. So what's the latest, Dee? What's the latest?
1: Well, I want to emphasize again today that it, flu season is coming upon us. We already have cases at our hospital of COVID and influenza happening simultaneously. So it can happen. And this just is very not good news because that means that we have to watch out for the pandemic that may be happening this winter. So go get your flu shot. Uh, you can get it at any of the drug stores or wherever your health care facility is. Get your flu shot. And you can also take your flu shot at the same time you take your COVID vaccine. So influenza vaccine can go in at the same time of the COVID vaccine.
0: Okay, well, I did my flu shot.
1: I gotta go get mine. Here I am talking about it. I gotta run out and run out today as soon
0: as I'm done with the podcast and get mine as well. yeah, uh-huh. all right, hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicky Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you, the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own. Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vickydo Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vickidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk with Sarah Lowry. She is the Director of Healthy Community Partnership, Mahoney Valley, here in Youngstown, Ohio, HCP, that's the uh, initials, is a collaboration of organizations and members who share a commitment to a healthier Mahoning Valley. And with support from the Community Foundation of Mahoney Valley, the partnership's work has been guided by a steering committee made up of Mahoning Valley residents representing a variety of sectors, including the city and county public health districts, Council of Governments and Commissioners' Offices, Community Development Corporations, Neighborhood Leaders, Food Cooperatives, and Hospital Systems. Sarah will talk with us about many great things this organization is doing for our community and our health. Let's listen to the interview With Sarah Laurie. Well, here with us today is Sarah Laurie. She's the director of Healthy Community Partnership Mahoning Valley, located here in Youngstown, Ohio. Now, Sarah is an enthusiastic young professional who has many years of experience in government affairs, public policy program development, and community organizing. In her current position, Sarah is responsible for the growth of the Healthy Community Partnership as it works to create equitable opportunities for health in the Northeast Ohio region while also serving as the partnership's primary fundraiser and ambassador. And today, Sarah will talk to us about her responsibilities as director for the Healthy Community Partnership, and she will also talk about some of the great programs and outreach activities the partnership is doing to help keep the communities in Northeast Ohio healthier. So how are you today, Sarah? Oh, I'm wonderful. It is a beautiful
2: sunny day and got to get out a little bit um, in the fresh air and sunshine for a short walk around downtown. So can't ask for anything better. Not going to be too many more of those. No, I can (laughs) count them probably on two hands. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) That's for sure. Well, let's start out by asking, Sarah, can you, you know, tell us your your story, talk about how you got involved with your community advocacy and, you know, how you got involved with what you're doing right now.
2: I grew up and have lived all my life um, in the Mahoning Valley, Uh, so I grew up in Hubbard and family's still there. And uh, about 11 years ago, actually, moved officially to the city of Youngstown and have been a Youngstown resident ever since. Um, went to college at Youngstown State. My undergraduate studies, I was looking into um, English and linguistics, so the study of language um, and how people communicate. And my master's degree, um, I was in a program uh, called American Studies, um, and I had a focus in uh, professional and technical writing. And I, as that uh, part of my life continued to evolve, I kind of tapped back into some things that um, I, I recognized at an early age in terms of noticing that the world doesn't always treat everybody fairly and that that's not right and that there are things that we can do um, as individuals to make things better. But there's also a role for kind of bigger picture uh, policy um, and systems change to make things work better and more fairly for everyone. So during that, that time, when I was finishing my master's degree, um, I had the opportunity to teach um, as a graduate assistant for two years and really explore through this course called American Identity um, a little bit of American history and a little, uh, deeper dive into some current events and, you know, working with students, um, and it was a really incredible class because it had uh, Youngstown Early College students who were, you know, in some cases, you know, 17 years old, um, you know, sitting next to adult students who are returning after quite a bit of time off. And that intergenerational discussion and sharing about, you know, issues that are still being faced by, you know, residents and, and, you know, a lot of our friends and families today was just really incredible and helped to kind of reignite this fire that I remember. um, My mother is fond of telling a story when I was, in grade school, learning about the water table um, and ecosystems, coming home with my hands on my hips and scolding my dad for using lawn chemicals to keep the weeds down because didn't he know how horrible that was <laughs> um, for the environment, oh, wow. for people, and for the animals, and how disruptive and destructive it was? And I think he may have stopped, you know, for a couple of weeks, but you know, was hoping I would get distracted. <laughs> and you know, I had a, another. Kind of personal experience. I had the opportunity to um, do a study abroad, and was not myself, but you know, someone I was traveling with um, had a, a health issue come up while we were um, abroad, and we were studying in Taiwan. And to the degree that you know, the individual had to seek medical care um, through their healthcare system, and was in care for about. 36 hours, and by the time everybody, you know, he, the um, individual in question was okay and we were being released, you know, we were both, you know, from America holding our breath to see, you know, at least a five-figure bill and terrified about how expensive it was going to be, you know, to receive that, you know, length of care in another country, and the total amount was something like $600, oh,
0: and wow. we were
2: able to pay in cash
0: <laughs> wow.
2: um, and walk away with no, no medical debt. So, and this was in 2010, so it was when, you know, the Affordable Care Act and a lot of those discussions about health care and improving access to health care and quality of health care and affordability of health care was, you know, really starting to, um, you know, happen in a in a way that hadn't before. So, you know, all of these things are kind of happening around the same time So it was, you know, really through that kind of rekindling of that fire, you know, wanting to, you know, play my part, you know, to make things more more just and fair, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that I had the opportunity to get involved, you know, through my work or, you know, um, my graduate studies at the American Studies Program at YSU, which was connected to the Center for Working Class Studies. So there was a lot of discussion and, um, you know, Speakers and various things connected to public policy. So it was through that process that I was able to make connections with some folks that happened to have relationships with um, individuals in US Senator Sherrod Brown's office. It was through that, you know, really dedicating myself and my time, you know, as a student and then, you know, following graduation to looking at how can I take this personal passion for you know, making a, you know, better and more just world for everyone, you know, how, more or less, how can I find a way to get paid to do that?
0: <laughs> right, um, right. So it
2: was through that kind of passion and persistence that I was able to, you know, um, demonstrate that I, you know, I'm committed to um, doing this work and um, made an impression on, you know, some folks that were really able to help me get started um,
1: in, in the career path that I'm continuing to follow. Okay. You know, I have not um, embarrassed to say that I have not heard of your. You know, I'm, I am an infectious disease physician, and this whole thing now with you know equity and all of that but certainly the COVID pandemic has shined a light on all of that. I'm just as we continue with the questions. What is the so the purpose of your organization, the Healthy Community Partnership, and how does it support the mission and goals of the Community foundations of the Mahoning Valley? Your funding, for example.
2: The mission of the Community Foundation of the Mahoning Valley is to be a leader and an advocate for philanthropy, so, you know, working with donors to keep um, and grow um, investments in the Mahoning Valley and helping to direct those investments in such a way that it will improve the quality of life for all of our residents. So it's really looking at how do we work with our donors to, you know, keep resources here and make those resources available to the community with um, an intention and focus on, you know, really addressing those things in the community that would have the most impact to um, improving quality of life and opportunity for uh, for residents, you know, especially, you know, thinking about and, and looking at residents that have um, historically faced the most barriers um, to opportunity and in the Healthy Community Partnerships place, you know, thinking about those residents that have experienced barriers to health. So the Healthy Community Partnership um, was created after a uh, reflective process, really looking at the community foundations. Um, you know, some of their donors and fund holders. We have three what we call supporting organizations, um, the Western Reserve Health Foundation, the Trumbull Memorial Health Foundation, and the Swanston Charitable Fund. All three of them have a focus on improving health in the community in some way. So the community foundation staff around 2016-17 worked with those fund-holding organizations to really think about how can we pull our resources together to make a real meaningful and long-term difference in the lives of residents in Mahoning and Trumbull counties. The partnership was born out of the foundation's desire, you know, again, to, to lead and to advocate. Um, into investing more strategically um, with an eye towards, you know, the long-term and most impactful way of putting resources, you know, back into the community and working with as many different kinds of partners as possible. So the partnership, you know, our our mission is to improve health well-being and health equity for residents in Mahoning and Trumbull counties. And we see, you know, our mission very much aligned with the Community Foundation's mission in that we are both trying to lead and to advocate to, you know, be intentional um, and to be strategic in terms of, you know, how we are spending our resources, not just financial resources, but our time in a way that, you know, is really removing as many barriers for as many people as possible to be, you know, live long, healthy and fulfilling lives. So So that's kind of the interplay between the foundation and the partnership. Mm
1: -hmm. So as I'm listening to you and and looking at the Mahoning Valley and so forth, there's so many Barriers as a result mm-hmm. of the numerous social determinants of health in this community, where do you start? Where have you started? <laughs> what, and you know, what I guess, what are your top three priorities? Because right now, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking sort of like a global picture, but mm-hmm. because there's so many barriers, uh, because of all the social determinants, where, where, where is your what are your three main foci? Let's just say the top three, for example. There's,
2: you know, um, any number of different um, issues um, that have been identified as, you know, significant barriers to health, you know, the social determinants, as you mentioned. And while the partnership exists because we recognize no one organization can, you know, solve everything for everyone, Um, We also recognize that even a coalition like the partnership can't take on every single issue. So you're right, we, you know, had to focus. So using the uh, community health assessment and community health improvement plan for both Mahoning and Trumbull County, when the partnership was being created, there was, um, you know, consultation and, you know, working with the health department, our community development corporations in both counties, um, Trumbull Neighborhood Partnership, Youngstown Neighborhood Development Corporation, um, the Eastgate Regional Council of Government, so, you know, uh, Mercy Health. So, pulling together healthcare and public health and, you know, some local governments and community development groups with, of course, uh, resident leadership and looking at what data and information we had. Um, The three focus areas that the partnership is currently working on were identified um, within the healthy eating, active living area of, you know, addressing some of those social determinants. So healthy food retail is looking at, you know, how can we increase um, access and affordability to healthy food? Parks and green spaces is the second focus area looking at how can we add or improve uh, parks or green spaces to increase physical activity, um, but there's also a growing interest in the impact and value of parks and green spaces on mental health as well. And lastly, uh, our third focus area is active transportation. So again, you know, kind of looking at um, how can we increase pedestrian safety? How can we improve the built environment so that people feel more comfortable whether, you know, they choose to, you know, walk, bike, or use public transit, or that is their primary means of getting from place to place. So how do we make the built environment safer so that whether it is a choice or not, you know, people who are traveling can do so and do so safely as a way also of, you know, hoping that people are building in that physical activity into their daily routines. So those are the three focused areas, and they're, you know, really looking at, you know, the community health assessment information um, and the data that came out of that and some of the health outcomes that uh, float around at the top of um, the list of priorities, you know, looking at uh, weight status, you know, there's a significant um, percentage of residents in Mahoning and Trumbull Counties that report um, being overweight or obese, um, a significant percentage of residents that have, you know, are experiencing the, uh chronic disease like diabetes, you know, and even, you know, looking at asthma, you know, so if we have more trees, more green spaces, less, you know, vehicle traffic because people are walking and biking, you know, that can improve air quality, which can certainly, you know, provide benefits for folks who are experiencing, you know, those kinds of issues um, with breathing and air quality. So we're really looking at, you know, those three areas at this time.
0: With that said, you guys are doing a lot, but what does that look like? That's what we say here at Vicky Doe Fitness, what does that look like? So what is an example of one of the programs that you have done that maybe address the issue of green, you know, green space, summer programs, maybe for the kids? I mean, what kind of stuff that you've done that we can, can see? So each of
2: those teams to kind of take it, you know, back down to earth, mm-hmm. uh, each of, Each of those focus areas has a team, and the team comes up with strategies. So, you know, kind of as an example, I'm going to pick on healthy food for a a minute here. Um, So we want our um, approaches to solving some of these challenges to be both, you know, kind of a program and project-based, but we also know that, you know, public policy um, has a significant role to play. For healthy food retail that's looking at improving access and affordability to healthy foods, Um, The access piece, you know, we're really looking at how can we find opportunities to increase physical access, so working with our partners to support farmers' markets, uh, working with our partners to um, bring um, healthy foods and produce into community stores, which are probably more commonly, you know, known as corner stores or or convenience stores. Some of our, you know, one of our partners is looking at a, a mobile market, so how can we address and bring, you know, food very physically into neighborhoods and close to where people are um, who are experiencing challenges to accessing healthy foods. Um, The other piece of that is how do we make sure that that food once there is affordable? So we worked with an organization called Produce Perks Midwest. Um, They coordinate the SNAP Double-Up Program, so if you are a SNAP recipient, and you participate in the program. You know, say you are at a, a grocery store that is accepting the program, and you spend uh, ten dollars of your SNAP benefits on produce. You would receive a voucher um, for an additional ten dollars. So you're essentially doubling that ten dollars and expanding the amount of, or enhancing the amount of produce that you can purchase. You know, with with those benefits. So it's trying to encourage and make healthy food options more more affordable and more appealing. Um, especially for families. About a month ago, at the end of August, we got some good news that the organization Produce Perks Midwest received a federal grant from the United States Department of Agriculture um, for um, almost $6 million over the Mm. course of multiple years. So that organization, Mm. you know, they serve the state of Ohio, um, so that $6 million is for the entire state. But because that program has had a footprint, here for um, since 2017, you know they launched with uh, a grant received by the Youngstown Neighborhood Development Corporation um, and the Mercy Health Foundation, and then expanding to include and bring uh, um, the Trumbull Neighborhood Partnership and Trumbull County into the mix, and you know continuing to bring in others. You know we we feel pretty confident um, that you know we'll be able to receive you know some of that money and support to continue the program here locally. Same organization, Produce Perks Midwest, um, was successful in um, working with state legislators um, to secure $1 million over the course of two years in the most recent state budget also for their nutrition incentive program. So all told, you know, available for use for that program is nearly $7 million of public investment. And again, not all seven million of that's coming here, but you know, mm-hmm. again, because mm-hmm. of the relationships that we've built, you know, we we feel pretty confident that we'll be able to see a significant um, investment
1: of that money. So, you know, Sarah, as I'm listening to you also talk about, let's just talk about this one um, focus that you have. You know, in the minority communities, there's such a food desert,
2: mm-hmm. such a, mm-hmm.
1: a desert with mm-hmm. respect to grocery stores and. When you're talking about making available, you know, a way for them to use a coupon or something to get healthy foods and so forth, I'm sure you all have thought about this. Will you include in that also transportation for people to to? I, well, you know, Youngstown in Liberty, for example, Dry Eagle is way out on you know Bill My mm-hmm. Avenue, and there's so many minority communities in the city that don't have the kind of stores that even have the healthy food. So how are you mm-hmm. all sort of tackling that for an equitable distribution of, 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 the, of that kind of situation?
2: And that's, you know, one of the big reasons why, you know, many of our partners, you know, have certainly been involved in conversations, um, you know, with local governments and other Players about you know how do we you know get a grocery store or grocery stores you know especially in the cities of Youngstown and Warren where you know hundreds if not thousands of folks are experiencing food insecurity and like you said you know predominantly and you know most affected are um, uh, residents of color and in those neighborhoods you know while we are continuing to look at and explore those opportunities you know to, to bring something new in that's part of the reason. The partners have really focused on how can we work with what we have right now Mm -hmm. and bring um, healthy foods to the people um, as opposed to trying to, you know, because we know, like you said, transportation and, you know, that physical access is a barrier. So that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, working with, you know, um, farmers markets you know, and, you know, bringing those, you know, market opportunities in, mm-hmm. you know, closer to where people are, you know, the that's mm-hmm. the, you know, rationale for the mobile market, you know, bringing it to where people are. Same thing with mm-hmm. the community stores, you know, those stores and those mm-hmm. businesses, a lot of which are owned mm-hmm. by, you know, people of color that also are residents um, and have mm-hmm. families that live in those communities. You know, that's another reason why, you know, there's that investment in, in that way too. But, you know, the transportation component we do, you know, work very closely, and we know that transportation is a significant barrier. So, you know, we're very excited and, you know, hopeful that, we, you know, we are, one of our partners is WRTA, you know, the public transit mm-hmm. um, service mm-hmm. in Mahoning County. And, you know, we're thrilled that, you know, we've been seeing some progress and expansion more into Trumbull County to really make it a regional, um, mm-hmm. you know, transportation service. And, you know, they are... Uh, you know, looking at and have had a couple of public meetings to make it so that there's no more fares. You know, they want to continue mm-hmm. the free fares that they've started, you know, because of the pandemic. They want to make that permanent. So, you know, continuing to look at, you know, how do we make, trans- you know, they're continuing to look at, and we're very encouraged to see um, how to, you know, increase service, um, how to improve service, and how to remove barriers, you know, to accessing the mm-hmm. transportation service. mm mm-hmm. So we're trying to work with multiple different components, you know, like you mentioned, towards that problem of access, you know, by bringing food closer to people, but also, you know, for those opportunities or for those situations where travel is necessary, making the travel um, as Mm barrier-free as possible. Mm
0: -hmm. So let me know something. How about... You say, what is it, healthy community partnership. How, how long has that been? And then the partners, what does that mean? Partnership. I looked on on the website and I saw a few folks that I knew. So what does that mean when it says partnership? What, what's their, you know, role? Especially if you're a business or you're an organization. You guys just, what, look at things, act, you know, do uh, research out there. I mean, what's, what is that?
2: The partnership has a couple of different components. Um, at you know the the one level, you know, to make the the gears turn, so to speak, we do have funding partners. You know, so those are the partners that provide the financial support for um, myself and other operational components of the partnership to exist. So you know, we have you know folks who are invested and involved at that level. Um, mm-hmm. We also have a steering committee, which kind of serves as a board of directors, so those are the folks that are looking at the bigger picture and, you know, setting goals and evaluating progress. And the way that we do goal setting and evaluating progress is absolutely, you know, like you are saying,
1: mm-hmm. what does
2: it look like, you know, so the what are we doing, mm-hmm. um, and is the what we're doing actually moving us closer to our goals. But we also, like you, you know, th- I, I think this is a really good question, you know, the partnership component of this is so important because we know... Progress um, only moves at the speed of trust, and we need to have our partners who have, um, you know, deep and meaningful relationships with each other um, and trust each other um, if we are going to see the kind of long-term change that we want and we need to address, you know, these, you know, rather complicated and and complex um, barriers to to health. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So we also measure and evaluate ourselves in terms of how we work together. So, you know, how, how are we building trust? How are we building relationships? You know, how are we supporting each other? And then, as I mentioned, each of those focus areas has action teams, and those teams, you know, all throughout the partnership, you know, we are very intentional about being diverse, you know, certainly in, in terms of, um, you know, race and, and, you know, gender identity and, and age and professional backgrounds and, you know, geographic background and and sector. You know, we want to make sure that we have groups that are representative of our community. So throughout, you know, the steering committee and each of the action teams, you know, we have, um, you know, resident leaders, we have folks from local government, we have folks from, like, community development organizations. There are some um, businesses um, and entrepreneurs, you know, who are involved, um, folks. Um, connected to youth and education, um, social service providers. You know, so we're trying to be as um, intentional in you know developing a diverse coalition that is representative of the community. Because you know we very much you know in the way that the partnership exists. Because you know again we, we recognize that no one organization or person or sector can solve all of these problems. You know we want to make sure that we are living into that by you know bringing on as many different and diverse perspectives throughout you know the entirety of the partnership is possible.
0: With all that said, you know with the pandemic here and it mm-hmm. seems like it's going to stay for a long time <laughs> <laughs>
2: longer than anyone wants.
0: <laughs> That's it. Since you have these things going on, I know you probably had to pivot your um, goals a little bit to think about all of that. And so what have you learned? And what new things maybe you are looking at based on what you learned from, you know, COVID, how it revealed a lot of the inequities and stuff that exists here in our um, underserved community.
2: And we, you know, spend a lot of time, um, you know, thinking, talking and reacting to and, you know, as you said, uh, adjusting in some cases, you know, how how we are focusing our time, um, efforts and other resources. but in some ways, you know, our I don't want to say silver lining, but, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the pandemic really shone the light on, you know, these disparities in the communities that are most, you know, disproportionately impacted. And, you know, for some folks it was kind of a saying what has been known for a long time, and in some cases it was, you know, showing folks things that they hadn't seen before. So for us, you know, one of our takeaways was, you know, it's now a little easier to talk about social determinants of health um, because we have, you know, seen and, you know, it's been in, you know, headlines and, um, you know, local, regional, and national news stories. So
1: there's a little more
2: familiarity with what does that mean and how are people impacted by social determinants of health and, you know, what does, you know, something like wages or jobs or, you know, access to food, you know, how does that impact health? You know, those connections are a little clearer for some folks. And, you know, as you mentioned, the um, communities um, and individuals that are most impacted, um, it's also made, you know, very plainly clear that, you know, in in our community and, you know, across the country, it's um, communities of color that have been, you know, most impacted by the disparities that the uh, pandemic has, you know, really um, brought out into the daylight, you know, for for everybody to, you know, see and, you know, not able to look away from or, or to ignore anymore. So for us, you know, in, in thinking about, you know, what we're focusing on, you know, we know, you know, access to healthy food has a significant, um, you know, benefit, um, and it's, you know, been brought out, um, and we've seen, um, you know, conversations about food access made even, even bigger, you know, because of the pandemic and thinking about, you know, the number of folks that had to you know, we're experiencing, in some cases, food insecurity for the first time because of everything that's happened. So that need, you know, has been, you know, kind of underscored. And, you know, because of all of, you know, the sheltering in place last year and because we know, you know, a lot more about how the virus travels and, you know, the some of the safest places that you can be is outdoors, you know, that kind of emphasized, you know, our, you know, priority and desire to, you know, add or improve, you know, those parks and green spaces in our neighborhoods. And we know, you know, as much as it breaks my heart to say that not every neighborhood has, you know, that um, green space that is, you know, welcoming and well-maintained and providing that safe space um, for people to be out and to be active. You know, the the pandemic, you know, as you mentioned, it really brought out and, you know, highlighted the um, inequities in our communities and in terms of what's available and what, you know, should be available. And, Um, It's kind of uh, reignited um, or fanned our flames, you know, to to really think about how do we do more and how do we, you know, pull all of our resources and, you know, shared visions and passions together to make our community the kind of community that everybody wants to be and providing them with, you know, the kinds of
1: resources and access to them that they deserve. Sarah, a quick question, at my my mm-hmm. last question, because I know we're probably getting to the end. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, one of my pet peeves about uh, Youngstown and its organizations is, is their organizational structure in terms of their board of directors and, you know, leadership team and all of that. So does your organization have, you think, a pretty good diverse – well, first of all, is there a board of directors or how is the organizational structure? Is there a board of directors or some sort of hierarchy like that or – and if you do have that, is the makeup? Does it represent the people that you all are supposed to be representing? You know what I
2: mean. So for the partnership, you know, we do have that steering committee that you know serves as that oversight okay, um, body, you know, for the partnership's mm-hmm. activities in its entirety. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, um, you know the like like any board um, or steering committee, there are co-chairs and. You know, they work with me, and, you know, we do try to be as intentional as we can um, in terms of, you know, nominating members to that steering committee that, you know, do represent um, the community in which we are serving. And, you know, we, you know, think about representation and um, trying to ensure that there's diverse representation in, you know, a few different ways. But, you know, certainly mm-hmm. we know that in, in over the last year we've also – Because of the pandemic, you know, highlighting health disparities, you know, there have been cities um, and counties and, you know, other bodies throughout the country uh, recognizing racism as a public health crisis. The cities of Youngstown and Warren locally, you know, doing that last year also. So we certainly know that um, racism and, you know, the impact of, you know, those policies and practices on people's lives, you know, have, you know, led to some of the health inequities and disparities that we're talking about. So we certainly want to be mindful of representation, you know, for those communities that are most impacted. So certainly, you know, we're considering um, race, but also, you know, age, profession, and, you know, geography. We want to make sure if we are representing the valley, that we are representing the valley. You know, we want to make sure that if we're talking about, you know, health disparities, that we are, you know, working with and talking to people who are most impacted, um, you know, by these various barriers that we have identified. So are we perfect? You know, no. You know, I I don't want to, you know, say anything that is an exaggeration or untrue, but we are certainly trying to do the best that we can to be very intentional about representation at the steering committee and then throughout the action teams as well.
0: All right. Well, this was a great conversation and Excellent. I, Yes. Yes. And I'm so glad that you came here on the show to really talk about the healthy community partnership because I didn't I didn't really know that you guys existed. So now I do yeah, know. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. So now and then everybody else that's listening will know as well. So, how can folks get in touch with you? to become either partners or to reap some of the benefits of uh, the resources that you're making available for the community.
1: And we are always looking for um, opportunities
2: to connect with folks, to, you know, look for opportunities to work together. So. I would say, you know, certainly um, the Healthy Community Partnership um, is on social media. We do have a Facebook page. Uh, we're looking at expanding our social media uh, footprint at some point. But for now, we are on Facebook. Um, so if you searched Healthy Community Partnership, you would find us. So I'd encourage folks to like, follow, um, you know, leave a comment, send us a message on Facebook. You can also certainly email info at com another good way to to get a hold of us. Certainly um, if, you know, a good old-fashioned phone call is what you're comfortable with and how you prefer to communicate, you can certainly call the foundation, um, and that's 330-743-5555. So however folks are comfortable, um, I would love to hear from you and look for opportunities to get involved because we really do believe um, it takes a community to keep a community healthy. Again, not any one organization or not any one sector can do it. We really need everyone. So, I, I do welcome and encourage folks to get in touch if you're curious or you have an idea um, or you want to get involved in any capacity.
1: You know, I, I'd absolutely love and welcome a conversation. All right. Thank you very much for coming on because I'm, I'm enlightened too. I did not know anything about your organization, which again speaks to, you know, I'm in healthcare and probably should know more about it. So, you know, maybe, you know, after after our podcast, you can kind of go back and say, well, maybe we need to do a little bit more marketing, maybe to some healthcare, care, uh, some of the healthcare yeah. of individuals in our community.
2: Yeah, ab- absolutely. I just am, am thrilled to have had this opportunity. Um, I, I, I know who both of you are from um, watching different webinars and things, especially over the last year, and I, I know we have some mutual contact and just think, the world of both of you, and I'm very honored um, to have had this opportunity to share a little bit about the work that we're doing. And we are still relatively new, so I I would welcome um, and would be very excited to have that conversation about, you know, how can we, you know, work together to get better connected, you know, with some of these very important um, organizations and and leaders out in the community.
0: All right, and thank you so much. Okay. Thank
1: you very much.
0: Now, this ends our show, Dee. Do you have some tips that we should think about?
1: Well, I think uh, it was really fun to hear from Sarah Lowry, and it sounds like they're doing great things to try to bring some resources into our community to, um, you know, hopefully close the gap in terms of health care disparities. So it was, it was really fun to listen to her, and, and good for them. Uh, you know, we pointed out some, some things that might be helpful, and hopefully that after our interview, with her uh she'll take some things back to her board so hopefully it'll be a a quick quick sharing uh information between you know us and and their organization
0: yes us and the organization and so yes it was nice for her to come because i really hadn't heard of the organization and so we are glad to help promote this yes you know put it out there right
1: exactly absolutely
0: absolutely that's it to get in touch and find out more about Healthy Community Partnership Mahoning Valley, go to www.hcpmahoningvalley.com. You can email Sarah Laurie at info at hcpmahoningvalley.com. As always, folks, for more information, Make sure you go to our website, VickyDoeFitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicky Doe is owner of Vicky Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicky by email at info at VickyDoeFitness.com.